It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Oh, indeed. I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. It is that time with the holidays approaching. Christmas is right around the corner, which means get your Christmas pajamas on. Put your slippers on, relax, and enjoy a nice episode of the Kirby on Sports podcast. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, Mark Francis with Icon Real Estate, Barrett Pest and Termite Services, and our brand new sponsor, Shenandoah Music. On this episode, we'll touch on the greatest comeback in NFL history by a quarterback who has done it before. We'll talk about the Ravens and the Browns, and we'll briefly touch on a few other games. Then wrapping things up, recapping the World Cup final. We got a very special guest this week as Dan and Carlos are unavailable this week, but we are looking forward to bringing you another great podcast. It all comes your way next. The Kirby on Sports Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Kirby. This is the Kirby on Sports Podcast, streaming on all streaming platforms. Our YouTube page, please like, comment, and subscribe. I have a very special guest, my good friend who just wrapped up his final year of college football in 39 total games played with 69 total solo tackles with 66 assisted tackles with 4.5 sacks on his career for a loss of 39 yards. And his career was pretty great. Um, Unfortunately, some injuries cut it short. But my guy joins me today, Michael Perry. What's up, bud? What's up, man? Thanks for having me on. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. No, you said I uh, cut short. Actually, I played in all 11 games somehow. (laughs) But I didn't. I meant cut short because yeah. you had a promising career, but uh, oh, yeah, unfortunately sure. the injuries. Um, first and foremost, I mean playing for the UC Golden Eagles. I mean, um, Division Two, correct? Yeah, yeah, Division Two. I mean, a whirlwind season, a lot of emotion there, I'm sure, and with the injuries playing through an injury with a club. Um, how'd your season go as a whole? Yeah, so it. Uh... It was strange. So the first, well, I was playing middle linebacker, which I've never played before. We got a new coaching staff, changed up the defense and everything. For the first four years, I played outside. So it was an adjustment for me there. 
um, in the spring, I had some time to adjust and I was feeling good coming into the fall, you know, starting at the middle linebacker position and we're having a scrimmage in fall camp and I, I tackle our running back and the next play, my thumb is extremely loose in my glove. And I, I'm just like, what the heck just happened? And the adrenaline and everything, you know, I kept playing like three or four plays after, and then I walk off to the sideline and the athletic trainer was like, you need to get this checked out. Ended up going to the doctors, broke the bottom of my thumb. It's actually called a Bettis fracture. It's actually the same thing that Dak Prescott had, but I could play through it because I'm a linebacker. And they wanted me to get surgery, and I would have had to miss four or five games of my senior season. And I said, no, I can't do that, Doc. So he said, okay, you can play with a cast on for about half the season, and then you'll take it off. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I played with a cast on for about four to five games, played decent, didn't play my best. Um, it healed up, but it healed up incorrectly. So I just got surgery on that. And then on top of that, around the sixth or seventh game of the season, we were playing Glenville State. And I was running, chasing the running back, and I felt my right knee pop. And I'm like, hell, here we go again. Because I, as you know, in 2019, I had ACL reconstruction with both sides of the meniscus repaired. Um, turns out I tore my medial meniscus, and then I just got that surgically repaired today. But miraculously, I played in all 11 games, and it was a good season. You know, we went six and five. We have a lot of young guys. We only had two returning starters on defense. But, you know, the heart of the guys were unmatched, and, and we played hard every game. So the future's bright for Charleston. Well, the future's bright for Charleston, indeed. I heard p- potentially uh, Coach Michael Perry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe. I'm going to be a graduate assistant in the spring to dip my toe into coaching and still be around the guys. So that'll be a good experience. I'm excited for that. That could potentially lead to a future head coach somewhere. You never know. Who knows? Who knows? So we're glad we're glad you're with us, Michael, right here on the Kirby on Sports Podcast. Um, it, it's going to be a very, very fun show for sure. And we're just going to get things started. Um, uh, first and foremost, well, we just have to get this out of the way now. And now I, I'm just going to go on my tyrant that I do every single year that Yes, college football, they're getting into the bowl games. But still, I hate that there are three NFL games on Saturday. For the working man who has to work on Saturday, and yes, I do work on Saturdays, I missed two out of the three games. And it's like in coming back for the primetime game, the Dolphins and the Bills, which was a pretty good game. And I I watch half of that because – I'm working pretty much the whole day and it's like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to get updates on this game, so on and so forth. So um, being able to watch the highlights, thank Lord, I was able to follow along with this Colts and Vikings game. And I, I kid you not, Jeff Saturday's Colts were 17 points in the first quarter, 16 points in the second quarter. and the Vikings were shut out and we're and I'm thinking to myself, Hey, you know, Jeff, Jeff Saturday, the first NFL coach to coach him win on a Saturday. And I had, I had a post drafted up if Jeff Saturday won, but in the second half, the Vikings held the Colts to three points. It went to overtime and it, towards the neck and neck end of overtime in the Vikings kick a game winning field goal. Um, but I will say first, 
the Colts, they, I mean, they're young. They're rebuilding. That is a fact. Uh, I mean, they fired Frank Reich. Jeff Saturday comes in as the interim head coach. They're definitely rebuilding. There is a lot of grit and determination with this team, but still they could not close it out. And I fully expected that, A, I expected one that, oh man, what are the Vikings going to do if they lose this game? But B, the Colts are that just rebuilding, young, trying to put the pieces in place. I'm not really surprised the Vikings made this big comeback, but this isn't the first time Kirk Cousins had had made a comeback, and that's originally where you like that started. But Mike, <laughs> Captain Kirk, yeah, yeah, propels the Vikings. The Vikings are eleven and three. They have clinched a playoff spot. What a crazy game! Yeah, unlike you, I did not work on Saturday. So I actually got to watch the whole entire game. And, yeah, like you said, the Colts were dominating in the first half. They had that block punt for a touchdown, and that just changed the whole entire game. And the defense was just balling out. The Vikings couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get Justin Jefferson going. They couldn't get Dalvin Cook going, anything. And the Colts, like you said, they sprung out to a 33-0 to lead. And you're thinking in the NFL, your NFL team's up 33-0. to there's no way they're going to lose. The Colts found a way to do it. And that second half, man, it was ugly. I mean, Matt Ryan looked lost. Matt Ryan looked like he was seeing ghosts. Well, in the first half, excuse me, in the entire game, he had 182 yards and a touchdown. I really feel like um, for the Colts, they could have gotten the running game more established. Zach Moss, their leading rusher with 81 yards, and Deion Jackson with 55 yards. It definitely didn't help that Jonathan Taylor wasn't in there in the mix. Obviously, he's on the IR just announced, and he's out for the rest of the season. So I feel like that was a major key that the Colts didn't have that much of a great running game because of Jonathan Taylor, but still yeah, 171 total rushing yards, but still I feel like they could have, have could have established it that much more. Yeah, they should have been definitely running the ball more. And like you said, Jonathan Taylor going out was a, was a big loss. And as soon as that happened, you kind of just felt the Colts just the air let out of the sails. They, they didn't really know what to do. And, I don't know what it is, but the Colts don't throw the ball down the field. I don't know if it's because of protection or if it's because Matt Ryan can't do it. I mean, they were having success throwing the ball down the field in the first half. He was completing these 10, 12-yard passes, and they got a massive tight end that they can throw to. And they just – the second half, they just didn't do it. And the credit the Vikings. They made adjustments. They got the halftime speech from Coach O'Connell, and they were ready to play. And you could feel the momentum shifting, and you could feel – that the Vikings were going to win that game. And and the, the the time was was not on the Colts' side, which was crazy because they were up 33-0. to zero And it was unbelievable. And it was really hard to watch if you're a Colts fan. Yeah, I mean, just looking at – they were just going back and forth and in overtime too. It's like, are the Colts going to stop the Vikings? Are the Colts going to drive down and score? They had numerous opportunities to do so, but it just – didn't pan out in their favor. And just looking at this Colts team and 
how tragically they lost because of the fact that they got upset. The greatest comeback in NFL history, Kirk Cousins and Kevin O'Connell, they're not unfamiliar with the uh, Kirk Cousins comeback because it happened in Washington when Tampa Bay came to town that one year, a massive comeback. But for the Colts here, what do they do? Uh, they, they God, it's a, that's a tough, tough question to answer right there. I mean, that is just a heartbreaking loss and they need to go back. They really need to look at the off. I mean, the defense played well, they played well in the first half and, you know, allowed zero points and they have a good defense. They got Stephon Gilmore. I know they lost Shaq Leonard, but they're still managing to, you know, to stop the run and the pass. They're doing great on that, but you got to look at the quarterback play. I mean, they keep starting Matt Ryan. I just don't think he's the guy. I know their backup is Sam Ellinger. He's he's pretty good. I think they should give him a shot. But, I mean, you got to think. Matt Ryan's just not getting it done. I mean, he had a close game with the Cowboys. What was it, a, a two-point game at half? Mm-hmm. And then out of nowhere, yep. they just got blitzed in the second half. So they're really struggling in the second half. And I oh, just it was a fourth quarter blowout there. Yeah, I don't know what Jeff Saturday can do. Um I really don't know where they go from here. I mean, they just they just gotta, you know, forget about it and, and get on to the next game. But that's a tough one to forget about. Do, and for do the Vikings, like- I think we need to put some respect on their name. A lot of people are saying, you know, they're not this, you know, their point differentials this and that, but they came back from 33 points down. That's that's impressive. There's not a lot of teams in the NFL that can do that. Yeah, uh, I, I won't name names, but a certain somebody texted before that comeback saying the Vikings are frauds. And um, I'm not going to name that individual, but um, right after um, they ended up coming back, I was like, wow, incredible. Yeah. So they're 11 and three. I still think the Vikings are under the radar. And this could be a team who makes a deep playoff push because this Vikings team in years past, they haven't been so good. And when they did make it to the playoffs, like, you know, that one year where they were playing at the golden Gopher stadium, Blair Walsh misses that chip shot field goal to almost beat Seattle, but he misses that. You have the mini. Yeah, you have the Minneapolis <laughs> miracle, Stefan Diggs, when he was with Minnesota. Then they get, uh, they only put up seven against Philadelphia, who ends up going to the Super Bowl. So the, the Vikings have had playoff experience, but the, I, I just think this year could be their year. They go deep in the playoffs. I think if they do, the way they got to win the games is in shootouts. They got all the weapons on offense, they got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Adam Thielen, they they need to get him involved. If they want to win playoff games, they need to get Adam Thielen involved. This is a veteran guy that they have, and they're just not using him. I, I just don't understand. I know he's frustrated. The announcers were talking about on Saturday how he's extremely frustrated that he's not getting the ball. And I'm not sure what's going on there. And uh, the young wide receiver stepped up as well for the Vikings. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But uh, he stepped up. And, yeah, like I said, their defense is bad. There's no way around it. Their defense is bad. So they're going to have to win these games. If they go, you know, try to make a playoff push, they're going to have to win them in high-scoring games, I think. So my thoughts here is the the Jeff Saturday acquisition from the get-go, I feel like, was very questionable. 
yes, he has driven some passion into this team. It shows, but still, I I don't really envision Jeff Saturday there for the long term. Do, Do you... A, Michael, think that Jeff Saturday will be there beyond this season? And if not, who who do you think the Colts pick up next as head coach? Hmm, That's a good question. I think maybe the only reason he might stay is because of the rich history he has with that organization and how much he loves it. And he was a superstar when he was a center. Um, Like you said, I think he gets the guys going. I say they give him another chance. Give give him some weapons. Give him a new quarterback. I say they give him another chance. It would be interesting to see because Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning were, you, you know, that that Colts history. Peyton Manning was there for so many years, and Jeff Saturday was always his center. When Jeff Saturday ended his career in Green Bay in the Pro Bowl, he went over um, to the AFC side to take one snap, give Peyton one snap, which was pretty that. cool to see. I know a lot of people were bashing the acquisition of Jeff Saturday, but the, <laughs> after the Colts beat the Raiders, I'm like, Jeff Saturday. And yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just cool to see him back in Indianapolis. And it, I don't know where things go, if he even has a career in coaching or if he doesn't end up getting picked up by Indianapolis, if he gets picked up elsewhere, maybe as an offensive or defensive coordinator or an assistant or something of that nature. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a guy, I mean, it takes a long time to change culture. It doesn't take, you know, it can't, it, it can take five games, but usually it takes a longer time. It's like, I think they should give him another chance and see where they go from there. Um, they just need some talent in offense. They got Michael Pittman. He's a great, great player. They got the big tight end. Um, Jonathan Taylor is obviously a bell cow. Um, I think they need to establish their identity on offense is to run the ball. And when they do that, I think they win games. But they, they paid all that money for Matt Ryan, and he's just really not panning out. Um, he's, he's frankly looking old out there. <laughs> so... I don't know what's next for the Colts, but maybe they can finish their what, – what the, what's the remaining schedule like? The remaining schedule for the Indianapolis Colts, let's go down the list here. They will be playing uh, Monday night against the Los Angeles Chargers who beat the Titans last week. Then they will be playing the Giants in Week 17. Then Week 18, the Texans. See, all those all those teams are good. I mean, even the Texans, they're a one-win team, but they're taking these teams all the way down to the wire. The Chiefs, like the, the Chiefs. Exactly. So I, I mean it looks it's looking tough for the for the Colts right now. So so Michael, you mentioned culture change and stuff. Um I, I'm not sure if that really applies in college football or anything like that, but you're on the sidelines, you're getting play calls from coaches and stuff, stuff. It, yeah, I mean, if you have a bad season and you're trying to establish good culture, what's that like from the inside? Um, you just got to really stay positive, um, believe in the process. Like I said, it takes time to change culture. You got to buy in. Buying in is the most important thing. Even if it's not working out in the beginning, you have to buy in and believe, hey, it's eventually going to work out and we're going to, you know, turn the tide of this you know, bad spell. And you can see that with 
the Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the Lions, too. We will get to them later. But the greatest comeback in NFL history as the Vikings beat the Colts 39-36. to That's the first game when we return. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to bring up the Ravens and the Browns because Michael is a Ravens fan. So we'll, we'll get his thoughts on that and so much more. We'll be back right after this. For sports fans living in condominium and homeowners associations, as well as business professionals, when you need a reserve study, PM Plus Reserves has been in business since 1990. Their studies are accurate and easy to understand. Check them out when your association needs a study, www.pmplusreserves.com. You can also contact them at 703-803-8436. Once again, www.pmplusreserves.com. Is it finally time to upgrade your home's interior? How about with an authentic farm table made locally from recycled barn wood? Shenandoah Primitives, based right here in Winchester, Virginia, makes farm tables, benches, tables, coffee tables, and a long list of other items for your home decorating needs. At Shenandoah Primitives, function and style are combined for great furniture that will last generations. If you're interested in combining the industrial look of metal with wood or considering something incredibly unique with a live edge, Shenandoah Primitives turns those ideas into reality. Thinking about a mirror, wine rack, or other act and peace for your home, Shenandoah Primitives can assist with that as well. As a local small business, Shenandoah Primitives is happy to work with each client for a custom design or schedule an appointment to come out and view current inventory. Local high-quality handmade items can be found at Shenandoah Primitives. Find us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Once again, that's www.shenandoahprimitives.com. Welcome back to the Kirby on Sports podcast. I am joined by my good friend, Michael Perry. It is now time to talk about another Saturday game. It was a low-scoring affair, um, but, you know, the Ravens, the last time the Ravens played the Browns, I was in attendance at M&T Bank Stadium, and Lamar Jackson was healthy, and they pulled out a victory, and Jaco um, yeah, Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback. We now have Deshaun Watson, the starting quarterback for the Browns, and I mean, I'll be honest with you, he just doesn't look ready. All, all that time off, I'm not sure if he's... I mean, he threw a touchdown, 161 yards, but still, he didn't look the best out there. I'll, I'll just be honest there. But the Ravens with um, Huntley, Tyler Huntley, um, one interception, 138 yards, and a 13-3 to loss on a cold, blistery, snowy night in Cleveland. What did you see out there? Why why the Ravens just not look that good, Michael? I mean, obviously Lamar Jackson first and foremost, but still it just looks like the Ravens are just 
getting by from the skin of their teeth and thinking a wide receiver is going to help them or is somebody on defense. Something's got to change here. And if it doesn't, I feel like Lamar Jackson walks. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, the Ravens, it's no no doubt they've been struggling on offense. And I think it comes back to the system. Uh, Mark Andrews is our leading receiver. Uh, we don't really have any supporting receivers around him. Our leading receiver is Demarcus Robinson. And he was, I believe, a backup on the Raiders. So the Ravens have a habit of just acquiring these average to good guys from other teams and thinking that's just going to magically happen. Like we picked up Deshaun Jackson, like, okay, that's a, that's okay. You know, he was great in his twilight years or his younger years, but, but now he he's a little washed and, and we just picked up Sammy Watkins today. And I don't know. I think the system is, is not good. And we run the ball quite a bit and JK Dobbins is a bell cow, but he's still recovering from that ACL you can tell he can't bust those big runs like he used to at Ohio State um but once he gets healthy that definitely helps the Ravens offense but but that game we looked lost out there we would get the ball to about the 50 the 40 and then just stall it was really hard to watch we scored three points against the Browns and in the last I understand we have a backup quarterback in and everything but still Three points. Hundley serviceable. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah, he's a game manager. But we have to yeah. throw the ball down the field. We don't throw the ball down the field. We're a lot like the Colts. We're a lot like the Broncos. It's crazy to me. And we just don't really have a lot of talent at the receiver position. I mean, Duvernay is a great receiver, but he's not a number one receiver. And the, the last couple of games we played, we scored three against the Browns, 16 against the Steelers. We ended up winning that game by two. 10 against the Broncos, and uh, we scored 27 against the Jaguars. That was when Lamar Jackson was in. And 13 against the Panthers. I mean, we our offense struggles have just been coming week to week and week. And we've been getting away with it from the skin of our teeth, like you said, but it's coming back to bite us in December, and we're not playing very good football right now. We're in that wild card spot, and we got a very tough matchup against the Falcons on Sunday, I believe. So – yeah, I, I think it goes down to now Greg Roman because I, I'm hearing everybody co-host uh, the weapon, Dan Demsky. He complains about Greg Roman every single week. Exactly. Do you think he's gone after this season? Do you think Baltimore needs to change? What do you think needs to change in the offseason for this Ravens team to be the Ravens team that – you all loved the most back in the glory days with Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. By the way, that first Browns game, I'm just going on a side note here, they had that Super Bowl team come back, which was really cool to see. But what what do you think they need to do to get back to being the good Ravens like they used to be? Unfortunately, I don't think that the Ravens will get rid of any of their coaches because they pride themselves on keeping guys. So I, I do think they'll stick with Greg Roman. I do think they'll stick with John Harbaugh. I personally think there needs to be a change. Um, just, you know, a change in the, in the in the program because they've had these guys forever. They've had John Harbaugh forever. I think we just need something new. And I think we need to 
Are we in with Lamar Jackson or are we out? Can we go full in or are we only half in? If you go half in, he's going to walk. If you go full in, okay, let's build, let's get some receivers and stop having him be the one-man show, him and Mark Andrews be the one-man show. I mean, we got to get some receivers, but the defense is great. I mean, that Roquan Smith acquisition from the Bears, oh, that was incredible. He's been a great addition. Him and Patrick Queen, one of the yeah. best linebacker duos in the league, right behind the 49ers. Um, yeah, I just think we need some offensive weapons, and I think we should change the scheme where Lamar doesn't run the ball so much because he can pass it. He's proven that he can pass it. So if not, he's going to keep getting hurt. Yeah, with, with Lamar, too, I feel like he just – yeah, he's like a Superman out there when he's running – and it, yes, he can throw the ball, like you said, but I feel like the primary, every stat line I've seen when we co- we've covered a Ravens game in the past, Lamar Jackson was the leading rusher. And yep. he had minimal passing stats, which would help the Ravens. But yet, if Lamar gets hurt. But that, that comes again. That's the system that they run. Correct. They need to switch it up. Yeah. I, I I agree with that, like you do. Um, Go to a spread. Yeah, I I I, I and you mentioned uh, the coaches. They pride themselves on um, keeping their coaches for a long time. Do you think Harbaugh's on the hot seat here at all? I the fans are certainly upset with them. <laughs> I'm upset with them. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean we've always been that team uh, that you know, makes the playoffs and then they win one game and then they go out. We've never been that dominant force in the playoffs like we should be. And I mean, yeah, it's good to make the playoffs, but when are we going to get over that hump and beat these good teams? Cause I tell you right now, if we make the playoffs, we're not beating. Well, I, I have, I have a hard time seeing us beat any of those teams. We, we're not going to beat the bills. We can't beat the Bengals. I mean, we beat them once with Lamar Jackson, but the Bengals are on fire right now. And we're just playing bad ball at the wrong time. And John Harbaugh, yeah, I think I think he's definitely on the hot seat. And he should be. I, I watched an interview with him today, and, and he was just making excuses about the three-point score against the Browns. Oh, you know, we had a bad day. We try to have good days. But, you know, dude, you scored three points against the Browns. I'm sorry. And you haven't been scoring. Something's got to change, man. Yeah. And – yeah, I mean, when your leading receiver is Mark Andrews with 31 yards, I mean, they could have done a lot more, I feel. But with Huntley and the cold conditions and, like you said, the formations they're in, I mean, there needs to be some sort of change or yeah. Lamar is going to walk. Yeah, I agree. And it's harder, too. I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, Dan's brought up. Lamar is working through negotiations without an agent, which makes things harder. What's your perspective on the whole Lamar Jackson contract situation? Mm, I just think the Ravens don't know what they want out of him. They don't know if they want to commit to him for a long term or not. And it might be affecting his play that he doesn't have a contract. And I don't know. It's, it's a mess over in Baltimore right now, Kirby. Yeah, but one thing's for sure, the Ravens have a great facility, great stadium, 
Great fan atmosphere, better than uh, another stadium down I-95 South, but we won't get into that right now. But uh, the Browns defeating the Ravens 13-3. to When we return, we will bring you the drive, talking about some other matchups that we liked from this past week in the NFL in a brief, quick format. Trust me, it won't take an hour and a half, folks. We'll be right back. Hey, sports fans. Thank you for listening to and supporting the Kirby on Sports podcast with founder and host Josh Kirby, along with lead contributor Dan Dembski. Like, subscribe, and give them a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast from. My name is Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation. Our company helps leaders build engaged and productive teams. Exclusively for listeners of the Kirby on Sports podcast, you can take an opportunity to discover your primary communication style and learn more about effective communication with others. Text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free copy of the Working From Home Communication Assessment where you'll learn your primary communication style, how to better communicate with others not like you, and tips on working remotely based on your personal communication style. 10 minutes, tons of resources, learn about yourself and your team. Again, text Kirby to 757-903-0743 for your free assessment report today. I'm Dr. Dave Miles, founder of Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, where we help you and your team be more engaged and productive by understanding each other better. Back to you, Josh. Welcome back to the Kirby on Sports Podcast. I'm Josh Kirby, joined by my man, Michael Perry. It is now time to bring you The Drive, sponsored by Baird Pest and Termite Services. Bed bugs. The only thing creepier than thinking about them is actually having them. Trust me, you don't want to have them. Locally owned and operated Baird Pest and Termite Services can keep you from having bed bug nightmares and infestations. Call 540-340-3922 to schedule your free inspection and consultation. If bed bugs are already in your home, we'll get rid of them so you can rest easy. We also specialize in keeping homes and businesses free of other pests, including rodents and termites. That's Barrett Pest and Termite Services, 540-340-3922. All right, Michael, the first game that we will be discussing and it's a game that I was absolutely disgusted to see because I picked this team to win and last I checked it was tied the game was tied and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots and I'm just saying Bill Belichick because Bill Belichick is a storied head coach who has won multiple Super Bowls you would think that this team is being coached well and i guess somehow some way tied at 24 and there's no time left deciding they want to lateral it around and try to make a game winner or something tied at 24 why are you lateraling lateraling the football and i i i'm looking here and i just see and it's crazy to see. I'm not sure. I'm not sure who was credited with that. I, yes, Chandler Jones. I'm not sure if that was considered a fumble or something. But the receiver, and you might have to fill in his name, Michael, because I might not. I don't have his Jacoby name Myers. off the top of my head. 
Jacoby Myers. He runs backwards and throws the ball clear across to the middle of the field, and Chandler Jones is right there. He stiff-arms Mac Jones, and he takes (laughs) him for a touchdown. Michael, Michael, as a football player, being on the sideline during an event like that where a tragic mistake happens, what is the emotion like on the sideline? Because I'm sure a coach or somebody screwed something up and there was no communication that led to the Raiders defeating the New England Patriots in what was a very, very bizarre finish. And afterwards, I was talking to my father. I was I was like, did you see that? That was the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my years of watching football. Lateraling it backwards, tied at 24, where you could have just slid down and took your chances in overtime. And I saw the Bill Belichick press conference. I mean, <laughs> you know, those pressers, he, he shows no emotion, but Deep down inside, Bill Belichick was pissed off. Yeah, as he should be. And like you asked, the emotion on the sideline, you're shocked. You practice the whole week for these scenarios, and to botch a play up that bad, you're just shocked, disappointed. Um, But if you're the Raiders, you're obviously happy and shocked as well. But the thing is, I think they were trying to run. I don't. They ran Ramondre Stevenson on a draw play, and he gained a bunch of yards. And I saw some coaches on the page of silence saying, "Go down, go down," and he didn't go down. And then he decided to pitch it to Jacoby Myers, who was about a yard or two behind him. And then you know they're both young guys. Myers comes back, tosses it to Mac Jones, like you said. And by the way, Jacoby Myers got absolutely depleted by Max Crosby. I don't know if you saw that video. I did I mean, not. He got, oh my gosh, he got absolutely depleted. And Jacoby Myers claimed that he didn't see Chandler Jones. And I can honestly understand why. Chandler Jones was hiding in the middle of the Raiders logo. <laughs> so I could, well, yeah. that's true. And the Raiders too. logo is black. What'd you say? The, I mean, that's true too, hiding in the Raiders yeah. logo. But like you said, it's tied. You don't need to make a play. They were just trying to be heroes, the young guys. Um, Mac Jones, you gotta make that tackle. No, I'm kidding. That's a big dude. <laughs> but <laughs> he got no, dropped. He got dropped. Oh, he did. But let's talk about. But Nick Saban must not have been teaching him how to tackle. But um, let's talk about the play before or the touchdown drive before that. Derek Carr throws a perfect pass to Keelan Cole that is iffy. If he got his feet down, there was no indisputable video evidence. But that was an that unbelievable. Out of bounds. Was it? It looked out of bounds from what I saw, but it, I, I honestly I mean, I couldn't tell why because they... of the tweet in the in the white. I really couldn't tell. Um, yeah, but either way, it was a heck of a catch, heck of a throw, to even put themselves in that situation. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I just think you know, Ramondre Stevenson was trying to make a play. Jacoby Myers trying to make a play, and let's say it worked out. What if Mac Jones caught it? And then Ramondre Stevenson got behind the defense and Mac Jones threw a bomb like kind of a flea flicker and they won the game in a touchdown. Then what would we be saying? We'd be saying what an incredible play by the Patriots. Yeah, but we'd also be saying, what are they thinking? But no, there's the worst play in NFL history is, is what everyone's saying. And 
I can't blame him on it. It was truly unbelievable. And I watched it live and I was sitting there with my father and he was like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> it was insane. You see I mean, Julian Edelman's reaction? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Julian <laughs> Edelman's reaction. He was, he wasn't happy. I'll say that. Yeah. He wasn't happy for sure, but I mean. But you got to think that sums up the Patriots season. You got to think the the locker room over there and everything is just kind of disjointed and out of place. You got uh, Matt Patricia over there calling plays, and then you got Joe Judge. I mean, those well, guys here, here's the narrative. Wrong. Here's the narrative. <clears throat> Joe Judge had a stint in New York. That didn't work out. The Giants, obviously, he gets fired. Matt Patricia has a stint with Detroit. Yes, beats the Patriots. He gets fired. It's the Patriots narrative to bring back their old coaches who fail as head coaches and think that works out. Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt Patricia is a defense-based guy, and it was an offensive play. Yeah, he's I'm gone yeah, I'm talking to people like Matt Patricia. Why why he has no business calling the offense. It's like and he has a catchy title, the offensive assistant, or excuse me, the um director or something, specialist. I, yeah. I don't know, but it's like you you're a defensive-minded coach, and something like that, people are blaming Patricia for. But that's the Patriots' narrative. They bring back their old coaches who fail as head coaches in the league. You're absolutely right. And I just think the word is lost. I think that whole staff is lost. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, let, let's move on before I waste more brain cells talking about how crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Because the Patriots and Tom Brady, we're like, this team is amazing. And they're the force all these years. And now these past two seasons, they've been taken back down to earth. And it's it's really crazy. Moving on to the next game, the Detroit Lions are at 500. I love that team, Kirby. Well, what a, what a crazy game. The Jets are also at 500 with that loss. Zach Wilson was in at quarterback. It was a pretty close game. Hats off to Zach Wilson for making that uh, ginormous throw on fourth and a mile and just completing it one second left. Unfortunately, a missed field goal going wide left, but still the jets tried to get back in it, but the lions they're showing grit. They're showing tenacity and they are showing determination to get back to the playoffs. And they're on fire at just the right time. The Detroit lions 500 in it now looks like their first one against the commanders. Isn't that bad anymore? <laughs> Man, the lions are on fire. You do not want to play this team. If they make the playoffs. I am. Dan Campbell has got those guys rolling. He's biting kneecaps. <laughs> I mean, those guys are bought in. They got a gritty defense and, and the play calling is just incredible with the, the four downs and the, the ballsy play calling. A um, couple a week ago against the Vikings, they did the the pass to to Sewell and gets the first down and and seals the game. And then they fake a punt that game too. And then this game, fourth and inches, they throw it to Brock Wright for a touchdown on a little tight end um, 
he's, he's acted like he was blocking and he snuck out and, and the Jets were lost. I mean, Dan Campbell has got these guys rolling. I mean, and you do not want to see this team. Like they said, they won in six, and now they're seven and seven. It is yep. unbelievable what they're doing. Jared Goff's playing very well. He surprised me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah Jared Goff is doing well. And now look at Matthew Stafford looking now. Who won that trade? Yeah, exactly. Before we're late, all the Rams won that trade. Jared Goff sucked. Now well, the Rams did win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. And that was last year, but now this year, yeah. the the Rams put in all their chips. We all know that they were at the casino. They went all in. They traded away everything to get everything to win that Super Bowl. But now, in the long term, Jared Goff seems to be doing a lot better. And unfortunately, Matt Stafford's hurt right now. And you got Baker Mayfield in a Rams uniform. Yeah, and that offensive line for the Lions is unbelievable. They're one of the best in the league. Um, I have to shout out my boy on defense, number 79, John Kaminsky. He played at Charleston. Played there 2018. I played with him my freshman year. He was a senior. He was a force on the field. It was it was unbelievable how good he was. And he's He got drafted by the Falcons, didn't work out there, and now he's starting for the Lions and Dan Campbell. He's playing with a broken hand, and he's – he had that huge sack at the end of the game, Zach Wilson. He bull rushed the center and just put the center in it and just sacked Zach Wilson. It was incredible to watch. So shout out to John Kaminsky. He's doing huge things for the Lions. And I know he loves playing for Dan Campbell. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've talked about him multiple times. It's just pretty cool to see a guy from such a small school like that. I mean, Charleston is pretty big, but not, not like – like power five score something yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. Make a big impact like that in the league. And there's another guy on the Colts, Mike Strong. He's a wide receiver, 6'5", 230 from the Bahamas. I played with him for two, three years, and he's an incredible wow. talent as well. So shout out to him as well. Wow. well but, yeah, these awesome. Lions, Kirby, these Lions, man, I, I think they went out. I think they make the playoffs, and I think they beat the Vikings in the first round. I'm calling it. Well, they beat the Vikings once this year. They twice. would play the Vikings, wouldn't they? Um, as it stands right now, the Commanders would be playing the Vikings. Okay, well, let's bump out the Commanders and put the Lions at that seven spot. <laughs> no, yeah, I, no, I'm just saying as the playoffs look yeah. right now. Yeah, but, but if the Lions sneak in, they would be playing the Vikings, correct? I I think so, unless anything changes with the Vikings record. Yeah. I'm calling it now. They win that game. All right. We'll clip that and save that for a, um, just in case a viral post. Uh, last but not least on the drive, the Jaguars show grit defeating the Dallas Cowboys. Man, what a great game. And Dak Prescott throwing that pick six. I mean, but I mean, it, yes, Dallas, you know, they're. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to say they're a bad team because of this. They're still 10 and four. Um, they clinched the playoffs because of the commander's loss on Sunday night. But, um, I mean, you got to rush the ball a little bit more in my mind. Tony Pollard had 75, Zeke Elliott 58. The one-two punch there, if they get that going a little bit more, this game might have changed. But Jacksonville showing great strides. Trevor Lawrence had four touchdowns in the game, all to Zay Jones, Zay Jones just balled out, and you also have Marvin Jones for the other touchdown reception too. So, 
receivers were looking hot with um, Trevor Lawrence under center, Travis Etienne as well. He had 19 carries, 103 yards on the day. So it looked like the Jaguars are looking a little bit better towards the end of this season, showing promise for this next season. Yeah, Doug Peterson and the Jags are rolling. And be careful what you say about next season, man. They're right in that playoff hunt. They went out. They can make the playoffs. But, yeah, yeah they're rolling. That is true. That would be cool. Trevor Lawrence is playing great. Um, they were down 27 to 10. And they came all the way back, and the Cowboys blew that. And I don't want to blame Dak Prescott on that pick six at the end. No, I, 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 th- who was it, Lamb or somebody? He threw it to Lamb, and Lamb it hit his forearms, and he dropped it, and it went into the Jaguars guys. Yeah, he looked like he sort of like bounced it up or something, and I was like, wow. Who was that but DB, by the way? The DB there, I, I forget the name. Um, it was uh, Rayshon Jenkins. Rayshon Jenkins had 18 tackles and two interceptions, and one pick six. Oh yeah, F- a 54 yard pick six. It was. Yeah, 54 total yards on two interceptions and the pick six in overtime, which which was pretty crazy. But the defense for Dallas, you're claiming they're so good and everything. But, I, I mean, stuff like this. How, yeah, I, I guess they didn't have an answer for Zay Jones or something. Yeah, I agree. You pride yourself on defense like the Cowboys do. They have one of the best defenses in the league. When a play needs to be made, a play needs to be made. With that's either with Micah Parsons, with Lawrence, with Trayvon Diggs, and it just didn't happen. Um, they made that huge play against Trevor Lawrence where he fumbled, and I thought that was the game. But then they go out and they have a, a one minute drive, and they punt it to Lawrence with about a minute and thirty left, and he goes down and they kick a field goal to tie it. So if you're the Cowboys and you get that huge play by your defense, you got to seal the game, get a first down, seal the game, and they couldn't do it. Um, no, I, th- I think it hurts for the Cowboys. It really does. We'll see how it affects them versus the Eagles, but no, that's a, that's a tough loss. I mean, they were up 27 to 10. You don't think, you know, a Cowboys team like that, especially this year with how good they're playing would do that and credit to the Jaguars. And they got a huge game on Thursday night versus Zach Wilson and the Jets. Uh, I think that's going to be an incredible game. And I, I, I see them pulling that game out. I really do. Cause the Jets are really struggling right now. The rest of the slate from this past week in the NFL. On Thursday, the 49ers defeat the Seahawks 21 to 13. On Saturday, in the snow, what a crazy game that one was. The Bills over the Dolphins, a game winning field goal 32 to 29. The Commanders on Sunday night falling to the Giants 20 to 12. The Saints over the Falcons 21 to 18 in a very competitive matchup. The Steelers over the Panthers 24 to 16. The Eagles by five over the Bears, and we might have to look out for a potential injury that has been reported on the news by Jalen Hurts. That's going to be interesting as the Eagles face the Cowboys this next week. The Chiefs in overtime over the Texans, 30-24. to 24. The Broncos over the Cardinals, both teams 4-10 and 10 after that game, 24-15. to 15. The Chargers over the Titans, 17-14. to 14. The Bengals coming from behind to defeat the Buccaneers, 34-23. to 23. And the Packers over the Rams, 24-12. to 12. That was the drive. Presented by Bear Pest and Termite Services. When we return, we'll talk about the World Cup final between Argentina and France. 
could this have been one of the greatest World Cup finals ever? We'll find out next. Hey there, this is Mark Francis of Icon Real Estate. If you have any real estate needs in the Winchester surrounding area, including West Virginia, give me a call. I've got extensive experience, been in the business for almost 20 years, and would love to help you out. Track me down at Icon Real Estate, iconsells.com, or even give me a call, 540-247-1527. Again, Icon Sells, I-C-O-N-S-E-L-L-S.com, and I would love to chat with you and help you out. Give me a call. Once every four years, a great event comes on the television waves, the World Cup final. It all came down to Argentina and France. And once again, a big thanks to the Swiss Army Knife, Carlos Martinez, for running the World Cup show for us on the Kirby on Sports podcast. You can check those episodes out on the Kirby on Sports podcast, www.kirbyonsports.com and all streaming platforms. But my goodness, what a game for the books. We will break it down like this. Lionel Messi in the 23rd minute, a penalty kick to get Argentina on the board, 1-0. Then Angel Di Maria in the 36th minute, 2-0. And after that, uh, two subs by France and um, yellow card by um, handed to Fernandez for Argentina. Then halftime, 2-0. It looks like Argentina pretty much could take this. Then, not one, but two goals in the 80th and 81st minute. 80th minute, a penalty kick because of an Argentina handball, if I remember correctly, which was huge. Handball off the elbow, I believe. And then right after that, Kylian Mbappe comes back. And we'll get into Mbappe a little bit more, but... Ties it up 2-0. Two additional yellow cards handed to Marcus Thuram and Oliver Grode for France. And then one from Acuna by Argentina. A bunch of subs in extra time getting down. Then Lionel Messi again. 3-2 in the game. Then Kylian Mbappe on another penalty kick. A lot of penalty kicks. Gets the hat trick. Ties it at three to send it to penalties. Kylian Mbappe starts things off with the first penalty kick. Then Lionel Messi matches one-to-one. Paulo Dial, I'm sorry if I'm botching that, but two-to-one for Argentina. And the next kick misses. Then I I can't even pronounce half these names, but Paredes, (laughs) I, I... I, I can't. It comes once every four years, so I do apologize. Paredes, 3-1. to one, Then Colo Muani, 3-2. Then Gonzalo Montiol wins it for Argentina, 4-2. to 3-3 to three in full play, 4-2 on penalty kills. What a match. What a game. What a World Cup. It ended in – it started in Qatar – some exciting action for sure. A lot of upsets, but it came down to two of the best teams. Lionel Messi at the end of his career, essentially, I believe he's retiring um, or not doing as much, but we look at two 
generational talents. You have Lionel Messi for Argentina, who is well-known around the soccer community for so many reasons. And then we have a gentleman by the name of Kylian Mbappe. France won the World Cup four years ago, and Kylian Mbappe, as the Swiss Army knife Carlos Martinez said, was making was having his coming out party. This year, this World Cup, it goes to show Kylian Mbappe could be a generational talent for years to come in the soccer world. But, Michael, what an incredible World Cup. Yeah, the whole World Cup was incredible. I mean, we started out with Saudi Arabia upsetting Argentina. Um, and then Netherlands. Well, uh, don't forget about USA-England. That was a great match, too. The whole world Absolutely. watched. The whole country. Um, and then you had Netherlands versus Argentina. I mean, Netherlands was up 2-0. I mean, Argentina was up 2-0, and Netherlands comes all the way back. So uh, the most dangerous lead in the World Cup is 2-0. <laughs> Because Argentina was up 2-0, and they, they squandered that lead quick. It was basically the World Cup final. I watched the whole thing. It was an unbelievable match and really bad day for people who think soccer is boring because it was anything but boring. Um, I will say it was more like Argentina versus Kylian Mbappe with all those goals. But what a masterclass performance by Mbappe and Messi. And Argentina just passed the ball. They were dominating the first 30 minutes or in the first half and they France couldn't get the ball and, and the, the um, France manager decided to take out Olivier Giroud, which was a huge substitution. And another guy, I don't remember his name, but he took out two of the huge starters to get something going. And it turned out that was, that was a good move. And I will say a huge point in the game was that first penalty that, that Lionel Messi took. Dembele in the penalty in the penalty box shoved one of the guys on Argentina and it was a light shove but the Argentina guy flew and it was a penalty from there and and Dembele didn't have to do that the defense was there I think he panicked and once that happened that kind of got the ball rolling for Argentina but what an unbelievable comeback from France I mean when it was 2-2 and then it was 3-2 in extra time. You you just had that feeling that France was going to tie this game somehow, some way. And it was killing Mbappe on the penalty. And, and that second goal he made was unbelievable. He got the ball and he sidekicked it right in the back of the net. And that goalie on Argentina is incredible. And he got the golden glove. I mean, he's amazing at stopping penalties. Um, so to get those balls past that goalie, was was it was an amazing match, man. I mean, probably the greatest World Cup ever for sure. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say on that. It's gotta be it's gotta be up there with one of the greatest sporting events ever. I would say. I I I mean I would say, but there are a lot more. I I mean I I think probably top six. Just because of the way it happened, the 80th and 81st minute yeah, that Mbappe scored to tie it up and then for it to go to extra time and then penalties, I mean, it was just unbelievable. And, and France actually should have won outright. Martinez made an unbelievable save towards the end of the game. He hit it with the, his boot, and it was it was one of the best saves that I've ever seen. So, and Kylian Mbappe ended up getting the golden boot, but unfortunately he didn't win 
the world. Well, that that but must have sucked. Be back. That must have sucked for him to go up there to get the golden boot, but not the trophy. But it, it's crazy in the World Cup, just watching the um, award ceremony. And um, uh, before I touch on that, I'm turning on because Sunday's big football day. Obviously, I turn on Fox. It's the World Cup. I'm like, is this going to wrap up in time before football starts? I was like, <laughs> what's going to happen if the games kick off at one and we're still going through penalty kicks, which didn't happen. But no, it ended at 12.55. Yeah. <clears throat> it was perfect. <clears throat> it was absolutely perfect. But I watched the trophy ceremony because I thought that was pretty cool. But it's it's just crazy how the FIFA does it. They have medals for the referees. They have all the awards, uh, all those youngest player of the match, yeah, golden boot, all that stuff. Then they award the um, runner-up and the champion with the World Cup trophy. But I, I like how they like recognize everybody in that instance for a big national stage like the FIFA World Cup. Yeah, Martinez got the golden glove on Argentina. I don't know if – I didn't watch the award ceremony, but I saw on Twitter the little antic he did with the trophy. <laughs> I thought that was super childish. I don't yeah, think I, 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 yeah, I saw that. I'm like, I'm sure somebody else saw that, and I will see that on Twitter later on. Just act like you've been there before, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm sure the Qatar officials were not happy at all. But credit to Argentina and Lionel Messi. I mean, greatest of all time, but – when it's all said and done, maybe Mbappe will be the greatest of all time. I and mean, he's only 20 years old. He's tw- he's my age. He's 24. And 24, for him yeah. to score a hat trick. I don't yeah, I mean, I don't know much about soccer. I, I'm not gonna claim that I am a soccer aficionado. You can talk to the Swiss Army knife about any and all things soccer, but for me, just watching that game and four years ago seeing Kylian Mbappe in the world cup when France won, I'm like, man, this guy's pretty good. And if he can continue, who knows where he'll be in five, six, seven years. Yeah. And you got to think he's got four or five world cups left in him. So who knows how many France can win as long as they have a supporting cast around them. But just previewing, previewing next world cup is in our country. USA was young this past year. USA was young this past year. Wait till four years down the line. Let's see what happens there. Hoping we can, we can play well. It's what is it? USA, Canada, Mexico. Yep. The world cup. Yep. USA, Canada, Mexico. Some major cities that maybe we can end up going to a match together, (laughs) but still, just looking at the United States team, how young they are. I think Greg Berhalter has a great plan with this United States team. Four years down the line, the U.S. could make it pretty deep. No, I agree. It'd be very difficult, but I think they can do well. As long as they keep Pulisic. Yep, that is true. If they keep him, he was absolutely a key in that match as well. But Argentina, France, three, three in full time, going to penalty uh, kicks, four to two in the penalty kicks as Argentina takes the crown in Qatar. That wraps up the World Cup coverage, and that wraps up another edition of the Kirby on Sports podcast. 
As always, you can check us out on all social media platforms and all streaming platforms, www.kirbyonsports.com. My man, Michael, it was a pleasure, my friend. Um, I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me. Yes, sir. You uh, Keep on doing what you do best, whatever comes your way next. I'm sure you will do great at whatever you do. But for Michael Perry, I'm Josh Kirby. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we wish you a safe and happy holiday season and a Merry Christmas. Until the next time you see us or hear us, We say so long, and thank you to all of our sponsors. As I forgot to mention them, I do apologize. PM Plus Reserves, Shenandoah Primitives, Dr. Dave Leadership Corporation, Mark Francis with Icon Real Estate, Bear Pests and Termite Services, and Shenandoah Music. We say so long, and peace out.